listening to Hope for Today Church podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. I'm so glad that you're here um, with us. Welcome. I'm looking forward to getting into Mark chapter 2 with you. Um, I'm going to invite you to turn there. Uh, we're going to get right off the hop here. Uh, an exciting story and in, count in scripture um, that I believe that we will be moved and we will be encouraged on many levels here this afternoon. Mark chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 1, the writer says this, uh, when Jesus entered Capernaum, Again, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. They came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was laying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Thank you, Jesus. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. Isn't it beautiful that where Jesus makes his home, that anything is possible? anything. Here we see the people were immediately astounded. It doesn't say they had faith, but they were amazed. And so for the sake of remembering here together as we get into this, what all this means for us today as believers in our new covenant relationship in Jesus, the title is this, Rising Above the Roof, Faith that heals. You know, here we see a captivating story of a band, not of two, but of four, who went the distance to bring this paralytic man to Jesus. Their, their actions, I couldn't help but be really just encouraged in myself, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit, that they present a great challenge to us all today to the very pages of Scripture. Are you willing to go the distance you believe it, do you do it? 
Here we see these four, they were banded together. And, and you know, when we think about our relationship of who we have in Christ, it says that we're situated in Christ. He says, I will make my home with you. We've been talking about that for the last several weeks. Because of our union in Christ right now, you are not only situated in Christ and you're secure in his hands, but he dwells within you by the power of the Holy Spirit. He dwells, he's making his home, which means his power and presence is mighty in every circumstance that you face. Just think about that divine provision that's within your seat, if you will. For all that you face in your thought life, in your reactions with one another. You know, here we see these four I'm assuming they were men, it doesn't say. But there were four. And when you think about the challenge that it presents to us today, do you profess Christ to the point that you have faith that he can tear down barriers and he can restore wholeness in your life? Do you have faith like these four who might say, look, I can't meet this man's needs, but if I just get him to Jesus, he can move mountains. Do you believe that Jesus meets your needs today? Do you believe this? You know, these four had the faith. Jesus shows us he saw their faith. They believed that Jesus would deliver on this. And so they girded themselves. They took action to get this man to Christ. They kept the part. They kept the faith, sorry. They did their part. And then they just laid him before Jesus and said, okay, we've got him here. You take care of the rest, so to speak. And check out Jesus' response in verse 5. He says, seeing their faith. He told the paralytic, he looked in his direction, if you will, and said, son, your sins are forgiven. Imagine how that must have felt. If you could put yourselves in the shoes, I know it's hard of a paralytic person, but if you could put yourself in those shoes to hear those words, sons, your sins are forgiven, that outweighed, I have to believe why we're seeing this in scripture, that outweighed his apparent need. The greater, deeper need was his salvation. And then to prove that Jesus had the authority to do it in the midst of the naysayers, he then and rose him up. Take up your mat and walk. Showing he had the authority to do both. Do you believe this for today? This is something I was challenging myself. Andrew, do you believe this? You know, there are times we look throughout scripture and we see accounts where not every person was healed on the spot. We, we believe, scholars believe, that there are more than one account or occasion where someone was dealing with an infirmity for a number of years. But what we can affirm is that at God's appointed time, God's appointed time, he moved. So what's our response? What, what are we supposed to do? The writer here in Mark is showing us, keep the faith. Don't get weighed down with all the obstacles and challenges before you. Keep the faith. You know, I wrote here in my notes, as each of you do, I'm sure, as you're reading scripture, as I was entering a devotional time over this passage, and I wrote this, thank God I don't have to prove my faith. 
Thank God I don't have to have eloquent words to describe to others that I have faith because Jesus is showing us here, he sees your heart. Does that not give you peace? God sees, man looks at the outer appearance, but he sees your heart because we all know, I for one, I'm willing to lay myself out there, pardon the pun, lay myself out to say, I make mistakes, I falter, I can have, at times, I can be irritable. John, I hear my brother laughing. Thank God it's not the, just resting on the works that I do. The people can say, yeah, Andrew, you got the faith. I want to emphasize that point. Seeing their faith. I believe this can move us to see faith in those lives of those we interact with. In the midst of all the challenges and everything that we face. To be like Jesus, to see their faith. You know, in the midst of this capacity crowd within the house, in the midst of, if you could imagine this beautiful facility, if all of a sudden you heard this scraping and pounding and then boom, and then the roof comes in and there's all this debris. If you ever put up drywall or you're doing any kind of construction, it's a mess. And so when Jesus is speaking, there's this apparent gaping hole in the roof. It's unmistakable. There's this visible debris Hello, there's a removed roof before them, and yet Jesus wasn't focused on any of that. It said that there was no room at all. But what he was focused on, what he could see, was their faith. If that doesn't move you, I don't know what will. He says he saw their heart of faith that they were in the right. Now, whether these men or sorry, this band of four. Again, we don't know if they're male or female, but this band, we don't know if they were bystanders, if, if they were even adherents of the word. But before this, they had heard more than likely of a man cleansed from demonic possession. Jesus was going through the region and healing and working miracles. And yet they lived out the very truth of the word, which says in Leviticus 19, 18, to love your neighbor. It says this, do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then Jesus would go on to say, Matthew 7, 12, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Here, these men were exhibiting the truth of the word and how they were to live and to conduct themselves and this lives. And this was a very different occasion. So on a different uh, uh, time, Jesus had to rebuke the motivations of, of leaders and people who had gathered in the temple complex because they had the wrong motivations. They were conducting business at the synagogue for personal gain. Their heart was not in the right place. And so Jesus, understandably, he flipped the tables over the condition of their heart in misplaced worship. Look at Matthew 21, verse 13. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. 
The account in John says it this way. After making a whip out of cords, Jesus drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and their oxen, and he poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the tables. A very visual occurrence, but this was not the same kind of circumstance. These men weren't like, oh man, bros or whatever, if we can get this, get this paralytic to just, we're going to be heroes. We're going to descend like commandos from the ceiling and man, we're going to make a name for ourselves. If that was the key case, I believe Jesus would rebuke them on the spot. But what does it say in verse five again? Seeing their faith. He looked to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgive him. You know, many times Jesus affirms our hearts. We can know when we're in the right on something because he says, there I am in your midst. When you gather together, I am there. This is the type of heart the Lord cultivates by the power of his spirit within each of us. And by the same power of the spirit, we can do as he told his followers in John 13, 34, I give you his command, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Now I know here in the passage, it says that it was, it says that it was reported that he was at home. And whether this was his home or because he was about his father's business, he may have very well been at the synagogue because he considered that to be his home. And if it was at the synagogue, what I found very fitting is it's wonderful that this would occur there because the synagogue represents the house of God. The synagogue was meant to be this place where faith and life intersect. Did you know that? where faith and life with, would intersect. In synagogue, according to, uh, in the Hebrew language, there are three different words for this uh, variation of synagogue, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I'm not an expert in Hebrew, but they're the three are this. The synagogue is to be a house of prayer, a house of assembly, and a house of study. House of prayer, assembly, and study. So here the people are rightfully gathering. Jesus is teaching, so people are studying. They've assembled. There's no, there's no room in the house. And surely they're praying. And in the midst of this, they see an incredible miracle. If Jesus can move in this way, when the people assemble, can he not move in your life? When you assemble in his name, Lord, I don't understand what's going on in my life, but I have faith that you can move. All I have to do is lay my life before Jesus. And when you think about it, because again, you're situated in Christ, I'm sorry if you get tired of hearing this, but because you're united with him, you are the very house of God. And so think about it. When you pray, because we're that house, the temple of God, where the scripture says he dwells by his spirit, it says that he is with you. And that as you assemble, as we assemble, he is with us. And as we study his word, you can say it with me, he is with us. He is with us. I love 1 Corinthians 3.9 says this, 
For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. So we're not just meant to live in the total latter part of just being God's building. We are called to be the field of God where he works and plows and prunes and molds us so that we're prepared to be co-laborers, co-workers led by him because Ephesians 2.22 says, in him you are being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Look at that verse. It doesn't say, and you, Sue, are being built into the temple of God. (laughs) It says, in him you are also being built together. These four, their faith was being built. I'm sure it would have took time to ascend to the top of the roof. It would have took time to dig through. Surely it's not like today with how we construct buildings, but it took some time. And as believers, we need to be willing and ready to co-labor and to get our hands and roll up our sleeves and prepare to rise above the roof when called upon. This encounter reveals to us so well that in Christ, as we put our faith in him, our faith tears down barriers and restores wholeness. Wholeness. And you know what? It all begins with faith. Letting go of those idols and and laying our life before the Lord because we're believing that very statement that we've, I got to emphasize it again, that we are his co-worker, his field, and his building. Point number two is this. Look at the mountain in your life. What are those mountains that you see before you. You know, the enemy of our souls, he's so clever and, and deceptive. He wants us to think that which you see is immovable. In fact, it's unscalable. And in other ways, it can also say that what you're facing is a sinkhole and there's no way to get up out of it. But scripture tells us that he lifts us up, the Lord lifts us up of the miry clay, out of the pits. Of destruction, but we have to keep the faith. You know, as I read through scripture, I'm sure you, as you've read, you've seen, it appears that Jesus never healed without the presence of faith. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong but it would appear he never moved without the presence of faith. Notice I didn't say amount of faith but the presence of faith because the Lord is responsible for those results. Look what Jesus said to his followers in Matthew 17, 20. For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, and just imagine that mountain for a moment, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I like that scene where Luke Skywalker's out at the swamp and Empire Strikes Back and Yoda's essentially telling him to keep the faith, okay? We're gonna keep it kosher here. But as he's speaking to him, right? He's, in the, he's talking about the force, of course, but for us, keeping the faith, 
He says, just let go, let go. And as he taps into the, the force, he begins to rise the, the um, help me out here, Ian. Thank you, the X-wing. Can't believe I forgot that. Start to see that X-wing raise, be raised out of the swamp. He had to let go. And for us, we let go and let go. That's what he's telling us. Within yourself, you don't have it. Stop pretending. But if you say to this mountain because of where your faith is rightfully placed, you can then say, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You know, maybe perhaps today you're in a similar place to the father in scripture who came to Christ with a plea, Mark chapter nine. And he had this great need to see his son delivered from this demonic possession that we see just before our account here today. And he comes to Jesus, he brings his boy to him. And it says, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked the father. And from childhood, he said, and many times it has thrown him into a fire or water to destroy him. But look at his, look at his, you can just tell in his desperation, he looks to Jesus, he says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So Jesus said to him, if you can, Everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. You know, many times we can be in that place. Maybe you're here today and you believe that God can move mountains, but you're in a place that maybe the tank is on empty and you've been just, you know, in the similar place. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And the simple answer I can give you today from the promise of scripture, he shows us it doesn't matter about the amount of time that you've experiencing this affliction or this trouble. In an instant, you, it can change when you put your faith in the right person. Don't look within yourself and your plans. Scripture says man's plan plans will not prevail, but the Lord's will. Keep the faith. And here we see as the father responded to Jesus and said, when Jesus saw the crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked that unclean spirit and said to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And then it came out shrieking and throwing him into terrible convulsions. And the boy became like a corpse. And so many said, he's dead. But here again, Jesus is like, no, no, you're not seeing the full picture here. There's a metamorphosis happening. There's a transformation that's happening for you very hours. Don't stop believing. Like the song says, we're living on a prayer here. Don't stop. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him and he stood up. And then this is where the followers, had, leading up to our story here today, after he had gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? 
And he said, oh, because you had little faith. But I say, if you would have faith as small as a mustard seed, you'll be able to save this mountain and be moved from here to there. You have to appreciate that no matter what you experience, however long we're seeing in this story, no matter how long, that Jesus can intervene and he can move when you keep the faith. And so if you're here, maybe you're experiencing a time of doubt, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with faith. You know, I do this each day that I wake because sometimes, you know, well, we all face difficulties. Lord, would you help me today? Fill me with the faith that you have for my life today. You know, we're told in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, that one of the many spiritual gifts is faith. It says, to another, faith by the same spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by one spirit. And the top of that verse, it says in verse four, now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God who works all of them in each person. And a manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. And how I can so resonate with this here today is that many times we confess Jesus is Lord of the impossible, but when we face that obstacle and ugly situation, we come to find out what we really believe in our heart. What are we really made of? And I've been challenged on this to the very core of my very being. I was completely stripped back when I was facing, uh, you know, thank God the prognosis worked out in regards to the type of cancer I had. Nonetheless, when I heard the words cancer, it stripped me right back. And when you face a circumstance, it's in that nitty gritty that you find out what the condition of your heart is. But God, Jesus, he can work within that. If we're open to his moving. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I desire, I'm sure like you, have you been encouraged today from the the passage I desire to be like these men, this band. And forgive me for keeping saying men. It's just a common way to look at the the words here. But to gather together, to gird together in faith. The Holy Spirit, I believe, deposited this in my spirit before we, uh, we came here today. And I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. I'm not sure if it's just for me but I do believe that it has a corporate application. The standards you affirm are the standards you accept. The standards you affirm are the standards you accept. You could also say the practices that you affirm are the practices you accept. You know, the people that we surround ourselves with, do they have faith? Now, we're not to go to each other and knock each other down, you know, with a sledgehammer and be like, where's the faith? But there's something to be said about the standards that you walk past are the standards that you accept. You know, thank God for our friends and even strangers filled with faith, like in this account of this story, the paralytic, who stand in the gap. Are you thankful for the friends in your lives that stand in the gap for you? 
You know, this is truly that love in action where I believe gets to the core of what Jesus was saying, who embodied this with his very life in John 15, 13. No one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Here we saw, as we just celebrated Remembrance Day. Now, there are some parts, I'm not going to get a, the, a theological you know, discussion here, but with all tense and purposes, when good people do nothing in the midst of evil, evil can prevail. And you could argue and say, well, if everyone was just loving and peaceful, there would be no war. And that's true. But when you have people determined to be led by an evil spirit to go and reap destruction on the world, I believe like throughout scripture, like David going up against Goliath, that the Lord empowers people to rise up and stand in the gap in the midst of that evil. And so here we had, as we celebrate, young men and women who gave their lives. You know, some came back. Others came back and they weren't the same. But in many ways, they were also living this thing out. They were willing to rise up and that shows us, just like in this story, you can imagine, it's not always a glamorous thing. I mean, imagine the battlefield once they arrived it's not glamorous. More times than not, it's uncomfortable. I'm thank God I've never had to be in the trenches. But even there, in those trenches, and what seems impossible, God can move. Do you believe this? Look at here right at the end of the story as we begin to close. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. And as a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. You know, the news is meant to spread. You know, here we see that, for all intents and purposes, that they were amazed, but there was not a presence of faith. But this could speak to us today. How, what do we do with this? Is we can say it's important that a real test of character will be, do you keep the work of God in your life under wraps? Do you keep it private? Or do you desire to let it shine like a light for all to experience what God can do in and through your testimony? It's meant to be shared. And the one thing we were talking about at our most recent men's gathering was, you know, it's important that if God's working in your life, share that testimony. Share it. Because what you're going through, what you're experiencing can encourage others. Maybe they're going through the exact same thing that you're experiencing, but they don't have the courage or the faith at that time to, to share and to speak up. And so my point, number four, our takeaway point for today is this. Be thankful for those who encircle us and band together for our good. The word gird means to encircle a person with a band and prepare for the challenge. What did we see in this story? A band of four gathered together, tied together this man, this paralytic with rope or belts, encircled him, carried him to the rooftop because he couldn't get there himself and lowered him down before Jesus. And because of that faith, Jesus moved. And so I want to encourage you today, because you're situated in Christ, his spirit dwells in you and you're empowered by the same Holy Spirit, 
let us do as we're told in Galatians 6, 9, let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. There are times that we encounter struggle. There's times we encounter challenges. We equally have had moments of weakness, doubt, whatever those things may be. But we can count on each other. I'm so glad when I'm going through something and, and many of you have called me and said, how you doing, pastor? Praying for you. Keep on keeping on. You know, we're so thankful to be part of what God's doing at, at Hope for Today. I am so thankful and covet those prayers. Because even the, the last few days, I had this crazy back convulsion where I don't know if it was like sympathy pains with what was happening in the passage, but I could barely even walk. Like my, my wife was joking with me last night. She says, you look like you're a woman going through labor pains. And I'm like, well, I'm going to receive it as anything to do with what we're talking about. I don't exactly know how I aggravated my back, but I was like, honey, you got to be praying for me that, you know, I can get up here and, and speak today. But you know, it's been a challenge. Like it's, it's tangibly bothersome, but I'm keeping the faith, not just with this, but the end of the day that when we stick it through, that God works through us and no matter what we face, no matter what we face, Jesus showed he has the authority to not only forgive, he has the authority to heal. And so as we prepare to go here today, as the worship team plays, I wanna make sure I emphasize this key point. Jesus did not come to put on a light show. You understand what I mean by that? He didn't come to put on a show, although he, he, he worked signs and wonders. But the reason why he came, he said, I did not come to be served, but to seek and save the lost. Don't be discouraged if you're not seeing signs and wonders like we see in the book of Acts. It will come. We will reap, we will see in due time. But at the end of the day, the most important reason, the part of why Jesus came was to save us. The totality of salvation for you and me, and that it is finished. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you're living within us. You're, you're working within us. Father, we thank you for the reminder of your word. Lord, as we keep the faith, Lord, you can move. Nothing is impossible for you. Father, strengthen us in our times of doubt. To not say if you can, but to simply trust that all things are possible. Lord, would you strengthen us to be a married band, if you will, of believers, to encircle one another, to carry each other's burdens, believing that you can move and you can make a way. We thank you, Lord, that you truly are our Lord and Savior, the authority to save, the authority to heal, and to bring wholeness. In Jesus' name, we profess, we believe. Jesus' name, and I invite you to seal it with amen. Bro, would you lead us? What a fitting song here to end here. Help you to stand with me here as we worship our Heavenly Father.
Yeah. 